I think some of the criticism Canadians have about other Canadians is the lack of outward patriotism. I think we look at our neighbors down south, see the flag-waving pomp they attach to their pride, and there's a knee-jerk impulse to distance ourselves from it. We like to think that we're more reserved than our American counterparts. In fact, that's what we take pride in. Also, I think it's still subconscious residue from being under British rule and the stiff upper lip that came with it. Interpret as you will, but the inevitable fallout is a lack of recognition to deserving parties, especially when it comes to the arts. The idea that one never gets recognized by their own until outside acknowledgement is achieved is never more true than within Canada. There is a long list of sons and daughters who traded in their Canadian aspirations for American ones. Even our band, we had to leave Canada and journey abroad to achieve our modicum of success. But as my adventures have taken me farther and farther away from home, I've noticed a wistful urge for all things Canadian. No more is it noticeable than when someone on tour mentions a Canadian band we all know. Even a band as popular as Rush can generate a conversation emanating from homesickness. When you tour the world, you quickly realize every country has their own music scene and their own list of top-shelf homegrown bands, but often are never able to break internationally. Given that rock music's greatest sources have been from America and the UK, it's been frustrating for Canadian bands, who share so much culturally, but hardly gain the same amount of recognition. Growing up watching these great Canadian bands relegated to regional popularity has been both demoralizing and motivating. The bright side was, as a rock fan in Canada, we were exposed to every American and UK act along with the rich, deserving parade of Canadian bands. It was almost like a countrywide secret how good they were, but unfortunately, due to a mixture of factors, most were never known outside of Canada. Bands like Chilliwack, FM, Toronto, Harlequin, Max Webster, Honeymoon Suite, Platinum Blonde, Blue Rodeo, the Northern Pikes, the Headpins, the Spoons, and hundreds more sat side by side on the same level with the great international bands of the day when we Canadian kids would listen to the radio or visit record stores. I couldn't tell the difference between whether Gowan was from London, England or Toronto, Ontario. And FYI, he's from Toronto, Scarborough, in fact, and sings for sticks now. But that's another story for another podcast episode. My point is, as these international bands have simmered into middle age, the accolades, nostalgic revisits, and renewed admiration hasn't wavered. Some bands have even enjoyed second and third waves of popularity that have surpassed their initial glory. But where does it leave their Canadian counterparts? Again, our national tendency is to skirt away from ostentatious displays of retro glory, which in turn make it difficult for deserving legends to appreciate being appreciated. That is why I was so impressed when I found out about the rock band Took. Took is a quartet comprised of top-level A1 Canadian musicians who have achieved success internationally, near legendary in their own right, and have banded together to pay tribute to the Canadian rock bands that we as Canadian rocker kids all grew up listening to. 
Tuke's lineup reads like an all-star group of ringers. Shane Gallus on drums, who has played with Michael Schenker, Ingve Momstein, Uli John Roth, Vinnie Moore, and Japan's legendary Bees. Corey Churko on lead guitar has worked with Shania Twain, Kelly Clarkson, Reba McIntyre, Mutt Lang, and Slash. Brent Fitz on bass guitar and drums has drummed for Alice Cooper, Theory of a Dead Man, Jakey Lee, The Guess Who, Gene Simmons, and currently plays drums with Slash, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, and of course, Todd Kearns on vocals and guitar, who fronted the legendary rock band Age of Electric and also the legendary rock band Static and Stereo. He currently plays with Bob and Bruce Kulick and, of course, with Brent Fitz in Slash's band featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators on bass guitar. Last year, Todd received a star on the BC Entertainment Walk of Fame. I mean, the man is the man. And Took is the band. They've released two albums so far of Canadian rock covers, 2016's Giver and this year's Never Enough that also includes their first original song, Never Enough For You. Both albums are so good, but I can't rave enough how close the recordings are to the originals. One can hear the labor of love involved in the recordings and how much it means to all the members. The selection of songs are choice too, like Aldenova's Fantasy, On the Loose by Saga, Roller by April Wine, New Girl Now by Honeymoon Suite, The Spirit of Radio by Rush, Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider, and Don't It Make You Feel by The Headpins, Headpins, just to name a few. For anyone who grew up listening to Canadian rock radio, subjected to SOCAN regulations, will know most, if not all, the songs on both Took albums. They're reminders of just how rich and credible Canada was when it came to hard rock music. Took is homegrown validation for bands whose accolades are overdue. One listen, and I guarantee it'll get fans hunting to rebuy the old albums. I asked Todd Kearns to jump on the podcast and talk about all things Took with me, and he thankfully obliged. It's not every day I get to throw out band names like Harlequin, Queen City Kids, and Chilliwack with somebody, so it was cool to talk to a kindred rocker. I want to point out here that the Osmond song I couldn't remember during the episode is actually called Hold Her Tight, not Let Her Know. Doesn't make sense now, but listen to the episode and you'll get what I mean. Todd being on this episode means he joins a select group of guests that have been on both my podcasts, Damien Abraham, Derek Green, Don Jameson, Nick Sewell, Nick Flanagan, and now Todd Kearns have all been on both the official Danko Jones podcast and the Regal Beagle podcast, my other podcast focusing on the 70s sitcom Three's Company. Anyways, without further ado, Todd Kearns is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. Nick Flanagan is Danko's co-host. Hello for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Damn it, you're from Flocktown. Stop playing Hangtown. When the weather is bad and there's nothing much to do, take a listen, would you now, to what Danko Jones would do. It's the middle of the night and you better do it fast. Turn the speakers up loud for Danko's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Get ready, because the Danko Jones Podcast starts now!
Hey, Todd. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? How's, how's everything at home? Great, great. It's good to be home, actually. It's been, you know, as you know, when you're away for as long as guys like you and me go away, it's always nice to come home. We went to see Donnie and Marie last night, which was... Oh, man. It's super crazy, dude. I'm like, you know, because it's like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Like, I, you know, what? Um, just kind of got some tickets through friends of ours, and I'm like, and you get there, and you're like, oh, wow, that's 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 Donnie and Marie. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, like the TV show, we were kids and all that. I'm like, damn, that's really crazy. But it was it was fun for what it was. It was super cheesy and super corny and super Vegas. But it was, and and pretty Mormon, I suppose. But uh, it was pretty. <laughs> but it was <laughs> it was pretty fun. Yeah, when we were in Vegas uh, back in February, uh, there was a, an ad for their show, and right. Marie Osmond was playing the wildest looking electric guitar. Did, did you she see that? Play- yeah, it's it's this crazy um, custom made headless thing, and it's shaped like an M, yeah. like uh, as in Marie, and it's like all bedazzled. So it's super crazy. Yeah, it's um, she played it last night. It's kind of her thing, I guess. I think, I, yeah, I think a dude out here might have built it. I forget his name now. He passed away since, but there was a guitar. Or Ed Roman was his name. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google that right now while I'm talking to you, and I'll send it to you if I find it. Yeah. <laughs> Because everybody talks about that guitar. Like, what guitar is that, man? I go, I don't know. Yeah, because the Osmonds, I always feel, uh, were the greatest rock band that never was. You it's know? a bizarre parallel. I mean, like I was thinking about it the other day, how how the Jacksons and the Osmonds have this very similar, you know, how like the, the youngest brother and 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 daughter were like sort of the the mainstays of the of the I, I guess the most successful. And in Michael and Janet and in Marie and Donnie. And it's like, but there's a whole other chapter of like of the Jacksons and there's a whole other chapter of the Osmonds that's actually fucking rad that no one it kind of gets overlooked, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I mean I think I love uh Crazy Horses. Oh uh, dude, yeah. They played it last night or he played it. He sang oh it last night. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> That song is the shit. I played it with Ginger Wildheart one time. We got up and jammed it with uh, his band, Frank and I. I'm just sending you this uh, this little article about that guitar right now. Oh, amazing! Yeah, because uh, I always I always think, wow, what a loss, you know, that they decided mm-hmm. to not pursue this rock uh, avenue because of you know their religious beliefs. But it's, is that what it was? Yeah, that's what I read. I, I heard, oh, okay. especially Crazy Horses, people accused them of taking drugs, you know, horse. Uh-huh. And yeah, true. So yeah. I always it, wondered what that was in, I mean, was it a Native American thing? Was it, it was, a, uh, they said it was about cars, like like race cars. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah there you go. Sure. I mean, from their perspective, a bunch of clean, you know, religious <laughs> people, I'm sure it was like, yeah, it was just Crazy Horses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that song is crazy. Like whenever you hear it, you're like, "Damn, dude, this song rocks." Yeah, yeah. And there's another song off that same album too. I cannot remember. It's a, I think it's the title, uh, the opening cut, uh, "Let Her Know." I think it's called. It's okay. It's a like Bonham esque drumming. You're, I'm just like, what the hell? Are those like session dudes on those records? No, or? it's the ba- it's the it's the brothers. They're, yeah, because the, they could. Like, I can't remember which one played drums, but he was. I was doing a drum solo on something I was watching, and I was going, damn, I had no idea this could play like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole band is like, you know, the what's-his-name plays that guitar solo in uh, in Crazy Orchards. It's a really cool guitar solo. I don't know the, the brothers' names except for Donnie, but they all look – I mean, 
we've all seen the video. They all look like they they're playing it, you know. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. and they all and they all look bizarrely like different slightly different clones of each other <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> even marie like it's this bizarre like which one is that now you're like yeah oh. yeah one's like the shaggy version of, of the clone <laughs> and one's the clean cut version of the clone uh, yeah one's taller one's shorter one's yeah. a little yeah totally <laughs> well todd i mean i got you here today because uh first of all you were on the regal beagle podcast and you yes. join an elite group Made up, I think, of only five other people who have been on both. Wow. Yeah. There you go. That's, yeah. What an honor. Yeah. I believe it is an honor. I think it is an honor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will take it as such, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all, mainly because, you know, Took have released their second album. You know, Took is your band uh, with Brent Fitz and uh, Corey Churkos and Shane Gallas. Gallas. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. it's, uh, I mean, you guys are ambassadors for Canadian hard rock. And uh, I think every Canadian, I think every new Canadian, there should be a Took CD that comes with the uh, citizenship. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I, I love it because I love, uh, I have to admit, I love most of these songs. These are West, Western Canada oriented track listings for the most part it really is actually it's funny that you say that because not only is it generational it's also it's also regional you know what i mean like it's like when people ask us so what made you choose these songs like well it's the songs we grew up on and it's specifically three guys from the prairies or three four guys from three different prairies sorry um (laughs) talking about like the different music we grew up on and which is largely west coast or west western canadian uh, the prairies based music you know so yeah we kind of we we do have a tendency to kind of like not necessarily overlook but we sort of like favor you know obviously we're we're more than aware and i'd love to hear your thoughts on 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 you know some of the other stuff we should be touching but there's a, there's a great many things like triumph we have completely overlooked no didn't you do you do you did roller right well that's an april wine yeah oh yeah. Uh, that's april wine sorry yeah you're right you're right no. um yeah. You should so, do Triumph. My God. I know. I can't believe we haven't yet. And it's funny because we went through this entire process and, and the first time we did it. And then the second time we did it, it was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. That'll be fun. That'll be great. And the next thing you know, you're kind of at the end of it going, we didn't do Triumph again. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like, like, whoops. But I, I mean, it's kind of a good problem to have. And, I, and I, I kind of look at it as like, that's how much music we love from Canada. You know what I mean? It's only scratching the surface, as, as you can imagine. I mean, if you had to sit down right now and, and Danko Jones was going to make a a Canadian tribute record, like just of your favorites, I'm sure it'd be awesomely diverse. Or, or it can be Took EC. There you go. East Coast. East the Coast. The East Coast Took. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We do like, like I say, like there's April Wine. There's Platinum Blonde. Platinum. Platinum Blonde. Rush. Yeah. Honeymoon Sweet. So I mean, it's so funny because you know, it, it, it is a very sort of specific thing. Like for us, it's sort of like very much the music that we. A lot of us started off playing in clubs, you know, when we were like teenagers and bands like Platinum Blonde or Honeymoon Suite or Haywire or all these bands that were huge at the time were bands that we had to cover, you know. So it was kind of like when we would get together and and knock ideas around, it was kind of like, wouldn't it be hilarious to do, you know, this or that, you know, and and surprising how much of that stuff is still in your DNA. Like you, I I usually remember how to play them and, and the words, 
which is something I, I forget immediately now. But for some reason, I can tell you all the words to uh, like New Girl now, no problem. <laughs> right. Well, out on the West Coast, you know, back in the day, I mean, you guys cut your teeth on the cover band circus, a circuit. Am yeah. I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> I think that's that only makes good musicians. I mean, look at the Beatles, look at Metallica. These guys became as good as they did because they played covers, you know. Yeah, I refer to it as our Hamburg years, you know. It's a, right, and, and yeah. The Beatles is the best example, and the Stones, too, because I Stones, mean, like the Stones, yeah. Stones yeah. and the Yardbirds all started off playing their favorite blues songs and then sort of morphed into their own thing. And, and the Beatles would do, you know, they went off to Hamburg and did like six sets a night or whatever it was, some crazy amount of time. Mm -hmm. And they were doing all Chuck Berry and Little Richard and all their favorite songs. And it really does sort of prepare you, you know, like you, you, you just become so accustomed to being on stage playing in front of people, which I think is half the battle. I mean, you, you as a performer know as well, it's, you know, it's one thing to be playing in your basement. It's another thing to just suddenly get up in front of people and, 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 you know, and become comfortable at that. And we were comfortable at it before we ever started um, you know, playing our own music so that it became very natural just to kind of, it, it, to be honest, to this day, I feel more comfortable on stage than I do in any social setting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I totally agree with you on that. <laughs> it's like, Oh, wanna... let's get together for this dinner party. You're like, Oh God, uh, do I have to prepare material? I don't know what, you know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly it's a high school dance. I just want to sink into the wall again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, unless I could DJ it, I don't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, the DJ. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the one thing, first of all, my introduction to Took didn't come from you. It came from Garth Richardson. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, we were recording our last record, Rock Supreme, with Garth at his studio. And uh, I don't know, your name came up. And he goes, have you heard Took? And then I went on Spotify and I got a listen to the whole album and uh, I, I think I, I think I tweeted you right away. I was blown yeah. <laughs> away by the by the whole album, mainly because yeah. it is so. I mean, so spot on. Anyone who is versed in Canadian hard rock music, uh, you gotta listen to Tuke's albums because I. It's not so much anyone can do like the song, but right. it, it's also like the keyboards and intros to some of these songs, like the Aldenova one and the, the Red Rider one. I mean, yeah, that's right. Holy cow. Like how, it's, it's almost as if you guys, you know, trolled the internet and figured out exactly what, you know, pedal, what gauge of strings these guys used and you recreated it to a T. It's, it's so funny because, uh, I remember like Ralph James, you know, the, uh, the agent, <laughs> he uh, he was the bass player for Harlequin, and he yes. goes, he came and saw us play once, and he comes up, he goes, "You guys, you guys are nuts! You guys, you, you guys learned the mistakes." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And it was it was one of those things that you know, like, like Corey Churko, he it, predominantly it's like his his uh, lab that we're sort of creating this in because he's got his own studio, and we go over there, and and uh, you know, and he's sitting there like just painstakingly going over does this sound more like the right keyboard patch than this and i'm like because i'm from that school of like you know we've all been in bands where we've covered songs and you just do a tanko jones version of that song yeah. or an age of electric version of that song or whatever it is you just yeah. kind of like yeah there's a keyboard but we don't have a keyboard player so we just play it like this you know <laughs> yeah and with with Tuke, it became this sort of like it became like a curator's job of like 
because here's where it, where it gets really interesting because to me it's like without waving a flag too much or getting too serious about it but it really was kind of like this music that we loved and grew up on bands like the queen city kids that may not have even been familiar with you may not have been familiar with back east i'm not sure but they were from regina saskatchewan and were like heroes to us and they had a great song called dance and we do it on this mm. new record called down again just a great cheap trick kind of rock band you know what i mean and and um you know, we when we started to kind of record these songs Corey was really sort of like look there's a lot of people who've never heard these songs before and you know it was sort of like if it's somebody in australia or south america or japan you know that's the exciting part is when someone from those areas goes this is my favorite song you guys do and you go wow dude they never would have heard this song had we not recorded it because it just didn't have the opportunity to reach that far you know what i mean and again i'm saying reach that far generationally and geographically because there's a lot of people who are too young to be aware of that music and they just not from canada so as you know canadian classic rock radio is totally different than than anywhere else in the world because we can listen to the classic rock radio and hear april wine and and uh harlequin and, and groups like that but um it's not like that everywhere so yeah Corey really kind of like i mean literally like he's doing the guitar solo for my girl um gone 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 the, the chilliwack song and he's like i think this tone is is closer and i'm kind of like i'm kind of like dude you could play it you know in whatever form and it'd be awesome but he's like he's that yeah kind of pseudo religious about it in a sense you know so a lot of that credit has to go to him because a friend of mine actually is like dude it, it, there, there's I can't, I can't remember what song he was talking about like saga or something like that he goes it sounds like it's your voice singing to the saga track <laughs> yeah it does it's especially that track it's, I mean, it's Corey crazy. Is pretty yeah i mean he's he's one of those guitar players that can kind of do that kind of guitar playing and nail it you know what i mean so which is not my school at all um but he's you know he's so good at that kind of thing i'm so impatient in the studio and to 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 really zero in on like a keyboard sound or a guitar tone i i, I lose perspective very quickly i can't even i don't even know now you know? i'm the same way apparently prince was fairly uh like just kind of like go like you would uh, this is what i'm sort of told i'm sure he was probably you know, because he was Prince, he was probably anal in, in many ways. But I, I've heard he was pretty sort of like plug the guitar in, you know, da 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 da, and off he would go. So I have heard I that too. I understand that kind of mentality more than the kind of like let's sort of listen to this snare drum for, you know, three days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that stuff sort of kills my uh, my creativity. But oh, that's okay. why you have other people to do that. You know what I mean? My, <laughs> yeah. my job is to show up and scream and yell and make a racket and then have somebody turn that into something you know yeah yeah exactly it's funny you mentioned the queen city kids because uh i worked i worked at a music store a music a record store <clears throat> uh, a few years back long time ago actually and my manager was the brother of john donnelly of sure. queen city kids yeah, there's Donnellys all across the country. All uh, across the country. So Tom yeah. was my manager. Tom Donnelly, okay, wow. And when I went out west, we played a show <clears throat> with uh, a bunch of bands in BC one, one day. And there's this guy walking around who looks exactly like Tom Donnelly. <laughs> and so I go up to him and I go, are you, are you related to Tom Donnelly? He goes, I'm John Donnelly. Hilarious. And so we called up Tom, and ever since then, you know, whenever I'd see I see John Donnelly almost more than Tom Donnelly when we go out west. Tom moved back to Regina, and John, I, when I've seen him, it's been in BC, and 
Yeah, it's it's kind of this crazy thing with Queen City Kids and us. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, honestly, I was telling this story the other day how when I was like about 13, 14 years old, I was in Saskatoon. I lived in a town outside of Saskatoon. So Saskatoon was like the big city. It was a big deal to go in and right. go to a mall and see a 7-Eleven. You know, it was like oh, <laughs> streetlights, you know, like the normal things that, you know, right. people take for granted. But I was like, oh, my God. And I remember Alex Chowacki, the lead singer, was walking down 2nd Avenue because they were playing at a place called the A4, which was a big club back then in Saskatoon. One of the you know mainstays of where you would, if you were touring across the prairies, you always stopped at that club. And, uh, you know, me and my friend, the guitar player that I would jam with, we were like jogging down the street to go to get his autograph and stuff, you know, and it's like so funny to think like, you know, and I, I've gotten to know those guys as, you know, as adults. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just fascinating because to us and, and this is I think you could probably attest to this as well because of the, the way Canadian uh, Canadian content uh, in Canada with the radio works to us. It didn't matter if a band was from Regina or Winnipeg or Toronto or from London, England or Los Angeles. Yeah. They were all on the radio. They yeah. were all influences on us. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and it's funny because even when we're recording, say with Slash, Brent Fitz and I will both be talking about, you know that part in that one Street Heart song? Let's do that in this part here. You know what I mean? And it's like references that no one would know what the hell we're talking about except for some guys from our part of the world and our in our generation. So, I mean, the, the Canadian music still to this day, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the output and content that's coming is, is, it has a major influence on, on us as, as young Canadians all the way across the board. Oh yeah. I mean, if Slash was in a room right beside Mark Holmes of Platinum Blonde, <laughs> everybody would be going, that's Slash. I'd be like, yeah, but he's standing beside Mark Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely because it, it's, it all depends on where you're from. And, and it's funny because I talk to friends back home and they'll be talking about because I don't live in this in Canada anymore. So they'll be talking about Canadian artists that I don't know anymore, like, you know, newer artists. And I'm like, oh, wow, I got to I got to I got to brush up because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right. But I mean, we've been very lucky to have like yourself and Monster Truck and a, and a bunch of other groups that, you know, we, we've sort of chased down and uh, and and followed up on over the years. And uh, but, yeah, it's 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 the stuff we grew up on. And that's why fo- uh, the focus for Tuke is always sort of like, you know, oh, you know, Red Rider and you know, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, keep, I keep trying to shove uh, Eyes of a Stranger by Paola's in there and, you know, it hasn't quite made it to the top of the list yet. But What? I love I know, that that's, song. That's one of my faves, actually. Bob Rock, uh, the producer, of course, was in a band called the Paola's with Paul Hyde. They later went on to be called Rock and Hyde. Mm-hmm. I think the term Paola was... Yeah. Was, uh, that controversial. Kind of, it screwed them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was, although it was an amazing name, really, when you actually know what it is. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's so many. I mean, I was, I actually d- did a little uh, list here that I was going to oh, throw you wow. some names uh, because, because, because we kind of both agreed that the Tuke playlist is, is kind of West, West Coast centric. It is. It, it is. Yes. Ad- uh, admittedly. So, yes. Yeah. I was wondering if, you know, you had heard of like Street Heart over here, at least growing up in Toronto, I knew the band, but it seems like Street Heart was like huge out West. Oh yeah, 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 yeah like gods out west. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was, it was the same out east. Although we all know who Streetheart are. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. But then there's other bands like, uh, like uh, the Jitters. Do you remember them? Of course. Yeah, I remember the Jitters. Uh, yeah, yeah. National yeah. Velvet. 
National uh, Velvet, yeah. Of course, I Doug. Saw National Velvet in Calgary, like back in the nineties, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're great. I, yeah, there's like, uh, of course, there's a few uh, uh, BC bands like Grapes of Wrath, Doug and the Slugs. Oh yeah, Martha yeah. Martha and the Muffins. There's so many that I guess three, four Martha more Martha albums. Four. Yeah. Martha and the Muffins was that um, Echo Park? Echo, no, Beach. Echo Beach. Yeah, Echo Beach. Great song. That's yeah. a great song. Yeah. See, we talk about we the, all those things get tossed around. Rough Trade. Rough Trade. Crimes of Pop. Crimes of Passion. Yeah. Crimes of Passion. You know, the, uh, no Contact. I mean, there's a lot of great songs. <sighs> you know, so it's 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 always tough to you know to you know because then you go like. Rocking in the Free World, Neil Young, and you go, well, yeah, it's Canadian, but it's yeah. such an international song. You kind of feel right. like, yeah, like it's sort of like, I mean, obviously playing it live is a blast, but um, sort of committed to tape. Even though the first record we had, like working for the weekend and and Roller and those sort of, which are largely even Fantasy by Alda Nova is largely a um, international hit. Like when, you know, I have a lot of American friends who will be like, oh, I know this song and I know this song. And I'm always kind of surprised, you know, like mm. yeah, I guess we're pretty international. Uh, songs, but then you know, like you say, like um, Harlequin, or uh, although Harlequin was produced, their first album, I think their first few albums were produced by Jack Douglas. Oh, and Jack did Aerosmith and uh, John Lennon, and so we've run into him on a few occasions, and we always blow his mind when you know he's you know because he has this this catalog of you know legendary <laughs> stuff, and we immediately go into like. Crimes of Passion, Harlequin. And he always looks at me like, what? <laughs> and of course he has amazing things. He's like, I love that, you know, that stuff. And I love those guys. They had such promise. It's an interesting thing because we all grew up on so many bands that should have been huge, you know, or should have been internationally huge. Yeah. But sort of the nature of the beast. Well, so, so when I was a kid, I used to uh, go to open skates. Very Canadian. Okay, yeah. You know, and just yeah. <laughs> and just skate around on like Saturday or Sunday mornings and afternoons. And be like the Stroke, Billy Squire, yeah. uh, you know, all and that so kind of stuff. They used to play like the Saga and and uh, sure, yeah. Toronto and all those bands, yeah. and yeah. Uh, walking around listening to Tuke on my uh, on my headphones, I was able to conjure those feelings up, and I said, you know, that is how strict you guys stuck to the script in terms of just how how close the recordings are to the originals they're really good and it's uh, yes maybe yeah absolutely a testament to Corey Churko's uh recording prowess but as a fellow singer I'm listening to it from your standpoint and you right you hit homers left at one after the other to the point oh, when I, I I got to the headpins uh, uh, song, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't li- I didn't look at the 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 liner notes or the the notes on the on the track listing, and when you got to the second verse, I was like, "Is can I, how does Todd do that? How, <laughs> what the how is he doing that?" And then it was only <laughs> I was like, Boy, I, "Why is he doing that? He's going to hurt himself." Yeah. yeah, I was like, "That is amazing." <laughs> and then, well, and then I saw that Darby Mills is actually on the track. Yeah, it's funny because we we actually because we've been doing like a lot of what where Tuke sort of came from was just sort of um, uh, we started doing some charity shows, um, uh, breast cancer and a few things around Winnipeg. And Brent Fitz had the idea of like let's just do all Canadian music. Wouldn't that be fun? And I was like, yeah, it'd be a blast. Then Winnipeg or you know places like that or Regina. I think we did one. And uh, it was before it was even called Tuke. We were just kind of like, and we just sort of, you know, like, Go for a Soda by Kim Mitchell and Tom Sawyer by Rush. And, 
you know, and then there would be fairly regional things as well. But, um, but you know, it's sort of the internationally or at least nationally well-known songs. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then it sort of went from there. I mean, to Corey's testament, things like that intro with the helicopters and all that laser stuff in in Alda Nova, um, he built that. Like he didn't just sort of use the track uh, thing. He built that. He built the intro to um, uh, the Lunatic Fringe by by Red Rider. Like yeah. he didn't sort of just use the thing. He he, uh, what's the word? Uh, basically reenacted the entire thing with the same. Uh, uh, tones of the same things but it, largely it's sort of like he built that and played you know whatever needed to be played so it's it's like to the point that you're like it, it almost feels like largely unnecessary if it wasn't so impressive you know and then darby's it, darby's involvement just sort of came from us you know i would scream that song out at 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 these charity shows just from years of doing ACDC in clubs, it's kind of like you, you have this, oh, yeah, there's this voice I can do. Right. <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's like you don't want to do it every day. I don't know how Brian Johnson's made a career out of it, but God bless him. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, we started, we went to record it, and I was like, absolutely, let's do it. And then I, somewhere along the way, Corey got a hold of Darby and was like, you know, about something, I think something totally else. And then, hey, what would you think about singing, you know, on this? And she was, like, super cool about it. So she sang... Um, uh, into the third verse, she pops up third verse and third chorus. So oh, she's, that's uh, what it is. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, it's me screaming, you know, at the top of my lungs and as high as I can, because that's just, you know, cause she's screaming yeah. at the top of her lungs as high as she can. So I'm like, kind of having to get there even, even harder, but there's that one Toronto, which is Hollywood's uh, female singer. And we'd also do ironic by Alanis Morissette. So they got me singing three girl songs and I'm like, we did adjust the keys on ironic by, I think, you know, like two frets. And then, and I think, uh, the Toronto song is down a fourth or a fifth or something like that, just to kind of make it, you know, a little bit more like, doesn't sound ridiculous. <laughs> I, I <laughs> but, noticed I mean, but, that you but, took, you took on a lot of, uh, women's voices on this one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a funny thing because you know, you're, you're, you know, you, you, you sing, uh, you sing the way you sing, you know what I mean? No matter, no matter what you do with a gun to your head, you're going to sing the way you sing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when you're doing a version of whatever song it is, you're going to be singing it as you sing it, you know? So, and I, I think that's part of the interesting thing about doing these things that are, you know, because we've decided to wear this curator hat of like being Canadian ambassadors of, of our classic rock. Mm -hmm. It sort of makes you kind of go, you know, okay, well, I don't want, if these guys are going to be, you know, this close to the guitars, bass, drums, and keyboards, then I can't veer off too far on the vocals and suddenly be like, you know, well, this is how I would sing it. You know, you pretty much got to kind of do it the way it was sort of done with your own, you know, inflections in there as well. Well, you, you know very well that when you finish a recording and you take it out live, the song as a vocalist will change. You'll change how you do it to the point where you've kind of forgotten the recording version. So when you brought Darby into the studio, was she, was she, she wasn't going off her own recording. Was she like veering off? Cause you guys are six, sure. sticking so much to the script. Yeah. I'm sure she's probably even doing her like, you know, 2019 version mm -hmm. of, of, of that song too. So, um, but I don't, you know, the, there was, there was not really any direction per right. se. It was kind of right. like, just do what you do and let's not worry too much about like, Oh, it's, <laughs> Two different than the record. You know, kind of like, 
She's Darby Mills. Well, I mean, she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She's got and one so, of the greatest rock voices ever. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I saw saw Headpins when I was a kid. Saw them opening for Toronto, and it was like the the record had just come out. It was a side project of of, of Brian McLeod and and Ab Bryant from Chilliwack. And uh, well, I saw this version without Ab or, or Brian in the band because they were doing Chilliwack, obviously. And um, and then years later, I saw them again uh, with Ab and Brian. And Helix was opening, and that was my introduction to Helix. There's another band that we we've, we've overlooked. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Eastern band again. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, that would be uh, Took EC. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and there's also people keep saying, "What about Took? What about a Took heavy metal album?" Helix, Anvil, you know, I'm like, oh man, that'd be, that'd be pretty next level. Yeah. Killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Killer doors. Stand tall. Stand tall. Exactly. Yeah. Well, when we played Vegas in February, you guys, you guys were out on the road, uh, but there was like a guy in the crowd who eventually I found out after the show is friends with you wearing a okay. head, head pins t-shirt and I stopped oh, the show. I stopped the show in the middle between the songs, and I'm like, "I gotta say that headpin shirt, man! What the hell, dude?" <laughs> and then yeah, I, know, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about now that I think about it. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And yeah, and then after we got to talking, I'm like, "Oh, of course, it winds back to Todd Kearns." I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> That's the funny thing is, I mean, it's it, the the joke is, you know, that there's nobody more Canadian than Canadians not living in Canada. <laughs> and we suddenly are like here and you hey, hey, you go over to somebody's house and it's like, hey, dude, check it out. And you go, yeah, that's April wine. OK, cool. <laughs> you know, it's like you just they know I'm coming over. So they got to put on some, you know, it's like, you know, I also like the Rolling Stones. You know, it's like <laughs> it's just this really although England, my English friends are like that, too. You go over to their place. And there's yeah. a picture of the Queen and Union Jacks. <laughs> yeah, and you go, yeah. OK, dude, you get it. You're from England. You know, it's like, relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we but flew- it is very. It yeah. is very, uh, we do, our roots definitely are, you know, suddenly it's like trailer park boys and everything Canadian, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, lots yeah. of hockey, you know, like, okay. Yeah, yeah every Tuesday we get, we get uh, all these uh, Tim Hortons uh, donuts flown in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Everybody's got the uh, Tim Hortons uh, coffee pods from Bed Bath & Beyond. For some reason they sell them there. It's totally weird, but oh, they do. Wow. I know it's so weird. Like in the States, we all go to Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> for Tim Hortons pods. It's the funniest thing, but yeah. Uh, I love the uh, I love the record company you guys are part of. K Tell K A. Yeah, yeah. Now, is it getting a, a a hard copy treatment? Yes, yes. We have a uh, we have CDs of both records. It's uh, you know, I mean, it's what starts off as kind of a laugh, which is you know, I think sometimes the best way to do almost anything is when it's not that it's not taken seriously because obviously we take it very seriously as far as the um, you know the 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 recordings and the performances, but. I don't think we ever really intended for it to be even what it is now is sort of like beyond what I think anybody could have. But I mean, the weird thing is that I've known Corey since, you know, we're from Saskatchewan. So I've known him since we were teenagers. Um, and I've known Fitz not long after that and Shane not long after that. Cause we all played in this same Canadian prairies club scene right. for years. So it's weird to, it's it's once in a while it's very unusual to be like you know to look over and go yeah that's Corey Churko that's that's little Corey Churko 
you know, the 14 year old kid who could play, you know, jump and crazy train, all the guitar solos that we were always like, damn dude. You know, there was a time where, you know, we're shredding in, in the eighties. Like, seemed like, you know, 12 year olds were like, you know, suddenly being able to shred and uh, <laughs> you see it all the time now, but it's like back then it just seemed like all the guitar players I knew could play like that. Like it was like, yeah. you know, I was always, I was always in my Paul Stanley, Keith Richards mode over here <laughs> <laughs> and they were doing their thing. And I was like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> and I'm still in my Paul Stanley, Keith Richards mode happily, comfortably. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's the best place to be. It really is. I, uh, <laughs> I, I th- I'm always kind of like, why are you guys working so hard? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I don't do leads. I, I play rhythm. I play power chords. That's all I, I do. Know, I know. But I love the what you do. It's you know, you're you're from that same school as me, where it's like, you know, it's like, um, it, it's you know, if the A chord can punch you right in the face, that's all you need. Yeah. As as yeah. I agree but, too. You know, I say that having someone like Corey Churko on the right playing the guitar solo from <laughs> On the Loose by Saga, it's kind of like, well, someone, it's like even the idea of playing that Saga song never would have crossed my mind. I was like, of course, who doesn't love that song? But I'm like, I would be just kind of like, that's like a super grown-up song. Like, I can't play that. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's also what's very impressive about the songs is the ones you cho- chose weren't easy. I mean, you guys... No didn't take the easy way out i mean even lunatic fringe if someone was to say you guys got to cover lunatic fringe for this show we're doing on saturday i'd be like how do we how do we do this i know it's 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 as if they all have this sort of there's a sort of a like a slightly progressive rock thing going on like in bands like street hard and all that like there's you know it seems like they're pop songs but then you're like it's no joke going on when you kind of take a hard look at it you're like oh wow these guys are are not playing so, you know, I think that that says a lot about there's a lot of attention to detail when it comes to Brent Fitz, too. Like he is no joke when it suddenly comes in with like, actually, there's a this hi hat pattern here is different. And you're like, oh, phew, I would never notice that, you know, oh, or God. I'm, or this. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's those. They all got their like holy. they've all got their magnifying glasses out. And I'm like, I'm just in there making a mess like screaming at the top of my lungs and like that's good right let's move on <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm checking my instagram <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, more than enough to me oh yeah it's interesting though uh i know brent volleys back and forth between drums and bass and toque uh is it because he wanted he just wanted to play bass and be up front for a while uh, I think it was kind of like one of those things where it was like this project started like it's it's that's the best word you can use is is is, is project because it's it's not a uh you know because it starts off as kind of like yeah let's be let's just we're some Canadian guys let's just record some some ideas on the first thing we did um Shane wasn't really dialed in yet like we Shane has uh, been a part of a band called Bees in Japan for like 17 years and only like this last year has he sort of been back in la um he always lived in la but he was spent most of his time in like tokyo and like and such a crazy chapter right from for a guy from innisfail alberta um but you know through ingve momstein and michael shanker he's played with some crazy people and then just kind of found himself out there but um so fitz plays drums on the first album because it was basically just me Corey, and 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 fitz right and oh, then Corey okay. plays a lot of the the instrumentation is, is Corey just in his lab and then on the new record it was a bit more uh 
Shane plays drums and Fitz plays bass. And I, I just I just think Fitz was kind of like, you know, because it's a fun project thing. Yeah. He wasn't it wasn't really like, you know, and we also probably without even really thinking about it, it's kind of bizarre when they go when most people know us as the guys, the rhythm section for Slash. And it's suddenly like the bass player is the lead singer playing rhythm guitar and the drummer is the bass player. It's like totally rattles everybody's brain for Americans true and for well and europeans for that yeah Yeah. i mean when i when i see when i see that because i've seen the video and everything yeah it's totally normal yeah totally normal for me i was really anybody who really knows me just goes oh yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. and that brings me to the single uh go ahead never enough for you in in the true cover band uh you know uh, way or just the the process of being a cover band, eventually you're going to come out with an original song. Is that what was behind the thinking of putting out an original on, on a Tuke album? Well, I think like everything else, that's actually the best, you know, the best way to put it is I think we just kind of like, well, you know what it's like as, as a musician, if you get together with some friends, eventually a riff is knocking around and eventually somebody puts a word to it and the next thing you know, you got a song. <laughs> you know, so so in its own way, I think, you know, uh, Corey and I just sort of started knocking around this idea and literally recorded the vocal at my house uh, and then finished it at his place kind of thing. So, uh, you know, and then, of course, brought in the other guys to kind of finish it and, and sort of tighten it up and, and make it what it is. And, and it really specifically was sort of engineered to sound like a Tuke song because I felt like, you know, we had kind of created this project with these keyboards and with this you know specific kind of guitar playing and this whole vibe of the thing and i thought well it'd be really weird for us to sit down and make this sort of you know like we're gonna make a you know a feel-good alternative kind of you know what i mean like like something totally like left field in the middle of the record would just be weird so we specifically sort of engineered it to sound like the other songs on the record to some degree right at least production wise you know what i mean so that's why there's the keyboards are big and the, and the guitars were really, you know, uh, really, really huge. And, and it sort of, it was really fun to kind of like pick that side of your brain. Cause there's a thing that I do, you know, we all have our thing. We reach into our pocket or, our, you know, our little, our bag of tricks. We have those mm-hmm. tricks we do and, and you don't even really realize that you have them until you're kind of like, until you do that. And then one day you kind of go, what would it, you know, it'd be fun. I, mean, I think about it sometimes like how much fun would it be to go I'm going to make an entire record and we're going to use Simmons drums and 80 synthesizers you know like, like the <laughs> challenge of doing that would be probably really satisfying and it would probably be like one record you'd be like well, that was fun let's go back to what I normally do but <laughs> if you challenge yourself in that way to, to do that it would you know it would totally open up another side of your brain so yeah. in doing this it was sort of more of a throwback to we always think of the the, the Canadian bands that we grew up on were always a five-piece band, bass, drums, guitar, keyboards, and a vocalist. It was always the same sort of setup from almost like probably ten bands, from Loverboy to Streetheart to Haywire to uh, Honeymoon Suite. To there's just an endless number of the ones of that I, that I can list that right. it's just kind of all that lineup. And so we kind of engineered Never Enough for You to be kind of that, you know, without even really, without a sort of a mandate or a manifesto as to how that's supposed to go it just sort of went that way you know it's like Corey went crazy on the keyboards and i was like damn dude okay here we go let's do it <laughs> i found myself humming the tune and then going what 
what band are they covering on that? And I was trying to remember <laughs> which band it was. And then I was like, oh, no, no, that's the original. So it right. does stick with the the vibe of... of the familiar, uh, familiarity yeah. to some degree, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, it, it, not like necessarily. Maybe it could have been on the radio in 1989 or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and I have to be honest with you. Uh, your version of ironic, I like better than the original. Not that I was a big fan of the original to begin with, but hearing hearing you sing it was it was great. Really. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was really really good. Really refreshing. It was funny because that one that just sort of came as a. Some uh, maybe some bit of a challenge. I can't remember where it really came from, but it was not really an obvious choice for us. But it was just sort of like, I think it was some sort of like specific like, like as a friend of mine brought up the other day. He goes, "You were particularly, you know, the the entire catalog of these records is between this year and this year, and it was like a five year period, <laughs> and yeah. it was very it was very interesting to go like, well, that's when we would have been teenagers growing up on Canadian rock was this particular chapter of Canadian rock." And I think somebody brought up the idea of it being sort of male centric and ah, sort okay. of like and also very sort of I'm like, yeah, well, we were guys growing up in the prairies listening to rock and roll. So this is what we played. And I think that the the Alanis song came up and it's the kind of thing that people always do that. They, you know, to me without 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 my even with either of us being aware of it is they just plant a little mind bomb that kind of goes off later on, you know, where I think about like, <laughs> you know, what would a, what would a version of, um, you know, ironic by, you know, Alanis Morissette sound like as done by two. And I'm like, Oh, that's ridiculous. And then like a week later, I'm sitting there going like, <laughs> pretty cool. Actually. You know, it's like <laughs> next thing, you know, you're like, you know what we should do? We should do a version of, and then, you know, off we go. And, and, and Corey's really good about even like being kind of like, like, I know in, in his, his initial response is like, absolutely not. <laughs> but then I think he's kind of like me in the sense that he kind of has that feeling of like, but what would that sound like? And that could be really cool, you know? And the, and the next thing you know, it is, it's a great, I mean, you got to hand it to Atlantis, man. That album was fucking massive. You know, and I was in a, in a weird way at ground zero when that all went down. Cause I was, I was touring, uh, age of electric was opening for SAS Jordan back then. And the drummer was Taylor Hawkins, who's yeah. now in in the Foo Fighters. But uh, he and, and the guitar player Nick Lashley were, after that tour, going to play with Alanis. And I was like, you mean Alanis the pop singer? Because at the time she was a pop singer in yeah. Canada. Yeah. And they're like, no, she's got this cool alternative thing. And I remember thinking kind of like, what? You know, that doesn't sound <laughs> like that doesn't sound like that's going to work on paper. And of course, like, you know, by that time, six months later, it was the biggest album in the, you know, in the world yeah so you know i mean it, it says something to kind of like change your perspective perspective once in a while as a like i say a male the music that i gravitate towards the music that i like the music that sort of natural to me every once in a while you go but girls love this let's you know and and i've always been really good about people are always like why do you know so much about the cure and depeche mode and duran duran and i go because girls like those bands dude Girls like those bands. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was kind of like, you know, oh, you know, this girl I have a crush on really likes The Cure. And I would find myself like, you know, <laughs> studying it like, you know, like a class I needed to ace. Like, yeah, you're right. This album is better than that album, you know. And like all these different bands like that. And I was always very aware that, you know, girls dig this kind of music. And it wasn't, it wasn't like some sort of like Machiavellian plan. It was just sort of like, you know, I, I really kind of couldn't help but gravitate to what i mean platinum blonde was our equivalent in canada 
when I would go to those concerts as a kid, it was like just screaming girls like a Beatlemania. Oh my God. Yeah. Situation. And you know, now I know those guys as, you know, as friends and it's, it's really fascinating to, to witness it. But I mean, you know, that's why we covered crying over you on the first album is because, uh, you know, it had an impact on us as kids, you know, like those guys were like, you know, the, my first experience with like, whoa, you know, these are like crying girls and the whole thing, like at least my own firsthand experience at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, back in Toronto here, <clears throat> Mark Holmes, he co-owns the Mod Club, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when we played the Mod Club at the end of the show, I go, I heard Mark Holmes owns this place. Could you please sign my record? I brought out my record. <laughs> I love it. But uh, I was. Yeah, dude, I, I saw them open for Platinum uh, for Brian Adams, and I'd never heard of Platinum Blonde. It was, a, and they were a three-piece band, and they looked bitching, and the songs were catchy. We didn't know who they were, and it was right when like the I'd seen I'd seen Brian Adams open up for Loverboy in like '83. I was a kid. But Brian was on fire. Like he came out and just like was running around. And I was like, who's this guy? Wow. And then years later, I go to see Brian Adams and it's a lot more ballad centric in a, mm -hmm. in a way. You know, right, it was like yeah. that's not a slight against him. He just he had these great ballad heaven and all those songs were yeah. huge, you know. And, and then this band Platinum Blonde was opening for him. And there was a similar experience of like. Well, these guys—he's huge, but who are these guys? Like they're cool and they—they they look great and their their songs are really catchy. And they, there was a slightly police thing about them, but kind of glammy in a way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you know, and then like the next time I saw them, they were like the Beatlemania moment. So it's funny how all these things, you know, to me are connected. You know, because I, I like I say, I I am hugely well versed in the hardest and heaviest of rock, and then. But I'm very aware of the other side. And that was because of girls. <laughs> 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 Frankly, if I may be honest. <laughs> yeah, we could all say it now, I guess, right? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know, it's like, how can you be listening to, um, you know, like, uh, at the time, it would have been like, you know, Van Halen and ACDC. And then like, at the same time, Duran Duran, it was kind of like, your friends would be like, what? I go, I'm sorry, dude. You yeah. know, some girl from school really loves Duran Duran. And this song is pretty damn catchy, you know. So it's just sort of the nature of uh, of being able to kind of. And I think I, I, a lot of that has benefited me to try and be as open minded about music in general. You know, there's a lot of stuff that comes out that I go, this isn't for me, but this is a catchy fucking song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm. I, I I think very similarly. But I wish you had told you me this. Have. Yeah. Yeah, I wish you had you, you had told me this back when I was in school because uh, my Kiss T-shirt with my Kiss pins on my baseball trucker hat <laughs> and my Motley Crue pins all over my trucker hat, it just wasn't working. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, exactly. Because girls, you know, we would always we'd always laugh at that because it was like, you know, you would you would notice the difference immediately when you would go to like a Metallica concert. It was all dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you'd go to like. I don't know, take your pick of something else. Even a Def Leppard or Bon Jovi concert is like sure. suddenly like infinitely more females. You're like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. But, you know, it's like it's up to you, whatever you're, whatever you're into. But, yeah, I, I don't know. if it, I was the same way, though. I was still running around with, you know, Kiss T-shirts and whatever else and very <laughs> dude-centric stuff. But I just happened to kind of be pretty good at going like, you're right. It would be the same as me trying to like, you know, study Shakespeare or something like that just to kind of appear, you know, somewhat kind of more uh, – 
spirit, you know, uh, culturally open to, to the ladies, but it, it, n- none of that really works anyway. You know, it's kind of like you eventually <laughs> learn that it's like, I guess you just be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be found out eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll call you out eventually. But someone should have just tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, dude, the trucker hat with the Gene Simmons <laughs> pinned with his tongue sticking out, it's not going to get the girls Right, right. The well, girls you it, want, you know, it may have in 1977 or 78. Oh, you know I'm sure I mean? like, Gene, it would have worked for Gene, but not exactly <laughs> some 11 year old kid. <laughs> yeah, maybe not, but that doesn't matter. Right? It's like, you know, you look at the path it said you want. Yeah, exactly. we're, both, we're both on that same path. I'm about to go and do the Kiss Cruise uh, next month, and I'm playing it's like with Bruce Kulick, and we're doing all non makeup era Kiss, and it's a specific. You cannot lose on the Kiss Cruise because it's the Star Trek convention of Kiss fans. So you, the deeper you dig, yeah. the more response you get. You yeah. know, it's like it's almost a challenge now. It's like, oh, you like that, did you? Well, check this out. You know. Yeah. So we we really try to you know we really try and dig deep. It's 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 really been that you would you would really enjoy that. I can't believe you. We, next time I'm gonna I'm gonna put your name in the list. Get get the Danko Jones band up there to play on the on the cruise would be great. <laughs> well, you know, I would definitely be a, a kid in a candy store for that cruise. Yes, you would. And bring your records. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I I've been working on for years uh, a jean jacket with only non-makeup patches. And once no. I get enough to fill it I want someone who's like from another planet, if they were to see my jean jacket, <laughs> they would never know Kiss wore makeup. Right. I have a lot of patches and it's, I, I just need like five or six more and it'll be completely covered. Well, there's a lot of people and, and, and like, and I've learned over the years cause I'm, uh, you know, I, I, when I was a little kid, when I think about it, like by the time, you know, Kiss had taken the makeup off, we were, we were still fairly young, but I, I was, you know, it was like everything to us. I own the Kiss pinball machine in my living room. It's like just, it's who I am, you know. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, oh dude, yeah, it's like a whole other thing. It's like one of the prized possessions. But the, um, you know, the idea of like I've met so many people who came in to kiss, like from lick it up on, like they just they they're they they kind of of course went backwards and found the old material. But they their whole like even Chris Jericho, the wrestler, his whole thing is like lick it up to you know revenge or whatever like that that sort of non-makeup period and i don't i don't blame it i I play that with bruce all the time and it's all killer music that's largely overlooked now by the band because the band is you know focusing on a much bigger catalog obviously well in the 40 years of kiss the 13 years of non-makeup are will as time goes on be like the era that i think is the most special because you know it was only the small as more time goes on, it was only the small time they they weren't wearing the makeup. Totally. So I I love Lick It Up is in my top three uh, albums of the Kiss discography. I, I I can't argue with you there, dude. It's like yeah, that's that's a killer record. Yeah, yeah. We, so I mean, like when we do the cruise, it's like literally like they don't. I mean, it's not it's not that. I mean, they've obviously they're they're Kiss fans. They're they are rock and roll all night and out. Mm-hmm. They're. Detroit Rock City out, yeah. shout it out, laugh it out, you know. So, so when you bust out, turn on the night from Crazy Nights, they go fucking bananas. Yes, <laughs> I, you know, I never would have thought so because it's kind of like, you know, I was just kind of like, yeah, of course, this is from Bruce's catalog. But people, my wife was saying that there are there are literally people in tears when we do "I Still Love You" from Creatures of the Night and stuff like that. It's like you know, people are really, you know, you're playing music that they never think that they're going to hear live again because yeah. because it's not. 
in in their wheelhouse. But when guys like you, uh, you would know, lick, lick it up, and, and which other ones would you put in that list? Uh, in terms of a set list, or well, I mean, just like of your favorites of the non makeup era, uh, or even favorites of the catalog. I mean, the, the Kiss catalog. If if lick it up is in the top three, that's that's that says a lot. Oh, it's funny because I just did a debate with uh, Daniel Decay. I heard this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, about Destroyer, but yesterday we were Destroyer recorded... versus Slick It Up, is that what it was? Or no, was it? it was like, I don't like Destroyer, he loves Destroyer. Sure, And sure, so yeah. we did a reverse yesterday, we did, which will be posted later, uh, I love Love Gun, he doesn't like Love Gun. How can you not like, I mean, that's, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I long, I, it's so funny, because I had long conversations this just yesterday about Destroyer versus like Love Gun or like Rock and Roll Over or Dress to Kill because I actually I kind of veer towards the the raw you know the raw records yeah, where man. Destroyer is just too lush for me there's yeah. too much going on I'm like there's a great shit on that record but it's just not it's not my well, when I think of Kiss I don't think of Destroyer I think of like say Rock and Roll Over is sort of like in a lot of ways sort of the quintessential sound of that band yeah I uh, yeah you know but, just sort of like guitars and drums and and, and catchy tunes, you know. It's uh, I, I wouldn't say Rock and Roll Over is my favorite. In fact, I, I I make big arguments for the very first album now. <laughs> a lot of my friends are like, "But it doesn't sound good." I go, "Yeah, but dude, like ninety percent of that record is material that could be played in their set list today." Do Strutter, yeah. Firehouse, Cold Gin, Hundred Thousand Years, Black Diamond, like that's six songs right there. And I know I'm missing one or two. Like the whole record is like almost all classic songs, you know. Which is, and it's like Kissing Time and like. Uh, love theme. Well, I know. I know what I'm missing on that is the um, got nothing. Nothing to lose is on that record. Is yeah. nothing to lose on that record? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, they still play that live, or I don't know if they still play it live. But they're the kind of songs that they can rotate in and out of the set list. That you know, that still kind of kind of work. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, but that that's an endless conversation. <laughs> I don't think. Anybody, I don't think it, it's funny how like I was saying the other day how you can like find something to argue about. It's like we can work our way down to being. The Beatles is the best band alive, and then have an argument about why Paul McCartney is better than John Lennon. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like it's the funniest thing how we can do that. And like you say, it's like no, Love Gun's better than Destroyer. And off we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of the non-makeup, it's Lick It Up, uh, Animalize, and Asylum for me. Those sure. Are, those oh, yeah. are the ones that I loved. Animalize was the first time I ever saw Kiss, and Bruce was the guitar player. So I was a you know a kid at a hockey arena watching kiss for the very first time you know and when they said you wanted the best you got the best the hottest band in the world kiss it was like you know it was life-changing you know what i mean yeah. and it was non-makeup kiss and now all these years later i i you know i go to bruce's house <laughs> yeah. it's amazing and like, that's the guy that i you know stood there and went, you know that's the new guitar player you know? so, so it's, how'd you hook up with bruce well, Brent used to play in uh, Union with Bruce. After Bruce left oh, Kiss, yeah. he put together Union with John Karabi from Motley Crue. Right, I remember that they band. Did, yeah, they did a few records, and then then Brent was just new to L.A., and, and they were like, you know, let's just get this kid to play drums. Probably because he probably didn't have to pay him very much. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's well, on him. But yeah, <laughs> all these years later, it's sort of like, you know, Brent, uh, Bruce's, you know, Brent, Brent and Bruce and I have always sort of found a way to kind of jam together and you know and, and when it comes to this kind of thing like in the same way that we're curators of canadian music suddenly i find myself being part of the curator of right. of this non-makeup kiss chapter which right. is so important to these people and, and to all of us you know what i mean but the, and it's just it's bruce is the only guy waving that flag 
you know, he's the last of those Mohicans. Yeah. You oh, know, that's it's, really interesting. Because the other guy, Eric Singer, is in the makeup version of Kiss now. So it's sort of like, it's like he's the only guy. And it's funny because Paul Stanley's reaction is kind of like, it has been nothing but positive. He's sort of like, man, it's so cool to hear like these songs that, you know, that we, he, uh, he said to Bruce something like, uh, you know, it's just so great to see, you know, you know, all these songs that we came up with back then and, and to hear them and, you know, it's even a trip for him. And I'm like, wow, that, that means everything. You know, that's, that's right there from the guy. You're like, wow, that's a trip. Oh man. I'm team Paul. I've always been team Paul. I'm he's team my Paul. man. Yeah. He's my man too, man. Whoa. Yeah. He replied to my tweet. Whoa. I, I, I got to frame it. I, I got, it's one of my projects I got to do. He, re- he replied to your tweet. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? What tweet? What was the tweet? Uh, he well, he posted a photo of himself with his hand to his ear, and he said like questions or something. He threw out like he's open for questions, and I just logged on to Twitter at that moment, so I I got in there and I asked him about his painting. Right, is he going to do a show? Ah, uh, or or have them you know prints or something like about his paintings? And then he replied sure. saying, "I've got to paint a lot more." Yes. I'm in wow. with Paul. That's a trip, dude. That's a trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I've like on the on the boat, all that stuff's there. The, the paintings, the, everything. It's like amazing. It's just the full nerd experience, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I'm just kind of like a kid in a candy store. It's like you know, it's you know, it's still, you know, the it's still the 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 one the one band. I mean, obviously, I have several bands that I'm really passionate about. But you know, Kiss has a as Brian Posehn, I think, was the comedian who said, if if they found you at the right age, you had they had you for life. You know, and I think I was the perfect age. You know, oh, you're like yeah. that young, and it's just like boom, you got me. I joined the army when I was six. Damn. Okay. So, so yeah, you were I mean, yeah, you were young. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. And you're now you're still a part of the a part of the army. Yeah, I mean, I'm no, I, 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 I look, I look from afar with a nice, wistful smile. Of course, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I think we, we kind of all do, and you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, I have a feeling that Kiss will carry on long after anyway. Like when we're grandparents, it's going to be, you know, your grandkids are going to see, uh, or, or your, your, you know, great nephews or whatever, whatever timeline unfolds before you. And they go, we're going to go see Kiss tonight. You're going to be like, Kiss? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, <laughs> this third generation of like young guys dressed up as Kiss. You know, like Gene and Paul will be, you know, old men or whatever, you know. But I, I guarantee you that's bound to happen. Well, yeah, like uh, I, it's probably because, you know, I've spent so much time behind the curtains in the music industry. So you yeah. kind of know the inner workings of things. Totally. And it's it's not as magical as it used to be for me. So... Yeah, there's things where I've just not not anything to do with Kiss, but just like overall, I've just kind of all right. I, I still love the music, so well, know. it's the same as everything else. It's it's seeing behind the curtain on the Wizard of Oz. You know, you yeah. eventually, I get it. You know, it's like when my friends are like, "Can you believe this band?" You know, when when people leave bands and there's always this kind of thing of like the drama of like, "I hate that band now because this guy left." And I'm like, "I go, dude, do you know how hard it is to keep a band together?" <laughs> yeah, you know. How hard it is to keep a marriage together? It's like then try doing it with three other people or four other people. It's like it, it's just tough. And when 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 that band becomes a much larger entity that you're trying to keep afloat, and someone's behavior is causing damage to that entity. I mean, I hate you, you know, because I don't really think that way. I don't think of the music that I've made or the bands that I've been in. Probably the reason why I haven't been in something for. 
25 years or 30 years because, you know, we, we sort of were more that art artistic kind of hat on all the time. But the idea of like, you know, your pro your, 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 your band or brand, if you want to call it being negatively affected, then you would have to make some changes to make sure it keeps going forward. Especially when it's like, you know, something as, as colossal as kiss was in the, in the time that they had to make those changes, uh, initially, you know, because of, you know, it is what it was, you know, and we can all, we have this conversation all day long. Well, technically <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, I, I always like, you know, liken it to comic book and sci-fi nerdery because there's few bands that you can talk about with the, with as much passion and, 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 and knowledge about like so many different things about, it feels like you're talking about Star Trek or Star Wars yeah. or something sometimes. Like, well, technically, uh, you know, and then you get these guys with really strong opinions about, you know, and you're always like, dude, it's a band. Let's all relax and enjoy the music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I take it with a tongue in cheek, you know, when people put down Kiss in front of me to see if they'll, they'll you know, get me. I, I laugh alongside them. You know, you're not going to get me on you know, whether or not you like Kiss, you know. But isn't that part of the part of the charm? I mean, like I say this all the time. It's kind of like, you know, like uh, I've never really ever felt bad about the fact that I can't play um, like like super progressive music. It's kind of like I just never really it never grabbed me. What grabbed me was bands like Kiss and the Dolls and 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 Cheap Trick and and all that kind of stuff. And and if. And if somebody didn't like it, especially when it comes to Kiss, because it could be nothing could be more polarizing at certain points than Kiss, it was always kind of like, well, that's our thing, you know what I mean? It's like it's not meant for everybody, yeah. And that's part of the charm of, of all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like saying, but I say that with music in general. Mu music is kind of like restaurants. It's kind of like if you don't like seafood, then you're probably not going to like this band. And what are you supposed to do? Like change your entire like? Is some seafood restaurant supposed to change its entire game because? The you know x amount of people don't like seafood. No, yeah. they're going to do their thing. That's just the way it goes. You know. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah, it's just sort of like you know, and and I always felt like, you know, you, you sure you sure sure you can meet lots of people who don't like the music you like, but you can always find people who do. <laughs> and nothing binds us quicker than than people who share a taste in music. I mean, I I I, I speak for myself, but I'm sure you're the same way. Most of the friends I made as a young man or as a kid was all based on like, we like the same music oh, you know? yeah. and, and movies and whatever as well. But I mean, but largely music and that's still this way it is today. Like I say, I'm still surrounded by guys where we sit down, have a coffee. <laughs> we're talking about this and that. And the next thing you know, we're talking about, you know, love gun versus destroyer you know, or whatever, the, you know, <laughs> or something along those lines. You know. Oh, I love, I love it. I can, and I love arguing about with it, whatever band kiss or whatever, Sure. especially kiss you know it's, and uh it's so much fun to do so you know and totally yeah, yeah. <clears throat> whether you, like said, uh, you agree or argue I, I love i love it and there's very few bands you can really you know really get into that with because i don't know i mean i guess you could sit around and argue about you know brian jones era versus mick taylor era versus ronnie wood era of the rolling stones or whatever you want to do but i don't find that conversation happens as much in that it's kind of like, you know, yeah, the Stones are great. You know, we all love the Stones, and we kind of move on to the next subject. It's, like, it's true. It's, it's like Tom Petty's awesome. Okay, let's move on. You know, it's like no one really sort of wants to, you know. But people get passionate about, like, Kiss was fucking this era, and I don't want to hear anything else about it. You know, it's like, okay, okay. 
I think you know? it's I think it's because they made so many missteps as much as they had success. Sure. So it endeared them to us. It made them sure. more human. You know where and even even if the missteps, if you still because I, I there's been a couple of times where I've enjoyed their missteps. You know like, <laughs> yeah. what they certainly what they consider missteps. You know I, I was you know I was I was there. I I was listening to the elder full volume going like this is great. <laughs> a lot of my friends going what the hell are you talking about. <laughs> But it's kind of like, you know, that's, you know, that's the nature of being a fan is you're kind of like, like when my friends start saying, oh, I fell off it unmasked or I fell off in here, I fell off there. And I kind of like, I think I was just of that age and that mindset of like, there's a new Kiss record out. We go out and we buy it and we listen to it all the time. And it's our favorite new record. And then yeah. the, the next year there's a new one and we put that on and it's, it replaces, you know, I mean, it's just, it's sort of the nature of it. And I, I think that just sort of worked that way until I was old enough to kind of, you know, make my own decisions, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> I've gone way off course, thank you. <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, okay, so I mean, I could talk about Kiss for another five hours with you. That's a different because this is awesome. <laughs> um, but going back to Tuke, and I'll, and I'll let you go real soon. Um, uh, there is out of the two albums, there is one track that I'm not very familiar with, which is the Orphan track. Lonely okay. at night. Who are Orphan? I, I don't know that band. That is a very let's see. That's that's very specifically. Um, uh, they're a band from Winnipeg, and uh, it's a funny story because when I was I was telling you before about chasing Alex Chowacki, the lead singer for the um, Queen City Kids down the street, right? Because they were playing at a club called the A Four, and when I was like, I don't know, fourteen maybe, I we snuck into that bar. And I, the first band I ever saw in a bar was called Orphan. And I remember it being like a huge deal, like, because they were like, you know, they had been the Pumps before that, who also had a record out, um, which is kind of worth chasing down as well. Um, and they, they, then they became Orphan. And they, it's another one of those ones that got away. Like they, we, I later on saw them opening for Platinum Blonde in the Beatlemania phase of Platinum Blonde. Right. And we loved them. We thought they were really cool. They were a four-piece band. The bass player was the singer. Uh, they had a keyboard player and a guitar player and a, and a drummer. And it was just really great songs, really smart, cleverly written songs. And uh, yeah, they just uh, they just never really kind of got out from uh, from I, I guess Western Canada because it, it mm -hmm. it's very specifically one of those bands that I think was was really endearing to us and you know and uh you know uh, if you were around for that year <laughs> you know that's how you know uh, their moment was sort of like you know in that maybe like three-year period where you know like bands like that were were uh really important to us and uh and of course we still know those guys and uh, we know them now you know and uh yeah so they they were from winnipeg and they definitely had a, a very cool thing and then they to, to Winnipeg people, there's a cool thing about Winnipeg because um, I was from Saskatchewan, and we would play Saskatchewan. We would play Alberta, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Alberta. We'd kill ourselves in this this whole club circuit they had out there, and it was just so common and so many bands that it was almost kind of like you could just do all that undetected. Like there wasn't really a, a scene or like a or at least in the cover scene. I mean, I'm, I'm, sur I'm sure there was a punk scene and they and they really supported their 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 bands and whatnot. But then all of a sudden, we one day we went out to Winnipeg. We played one show, and suddenly there was a write-up about us in, in the in the in the paper. We were like, "Wow, this is crazy!" 
And I really came to, to learn that Winnipeg had, it, had its own little infrastructure of, of its own music and support system of, 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 of artists that they really support. So a lot of bands like Streetheart and, and, and Queen City Kids all basically ended up making Winnipeg their home because it had so much more of a of a scene there for some reason. Right. And it still and it still kind of does in its own way. Like it's weird when I go to Winnipeg, it's like there's always something going on. Like there's a whole art scene going on there and and stuff like that that I I, I just I wasn't aware of it where I came from. So I mean very well it probably existed, but I don't think I was just aware of it. So it seemed like like Saskatchewan Alberta was a lot more like um uh you know it was just sort of uh still kind of figuring it out at the time yeah. calgary certainly has a, a way more of, of an art scene now but but it seemed like winnipeg had its own thing going on and i think that that's why bands like that could kind of flourish and i think that sometimes they made the mistake of probably staying and the one thing right. i've learned about, about places places like winnipeg is that my friends who grew up there they stay there and it's kind of like you know because it's a great town it's freezing but it's, it's a great town it's got its own thing going on and there's really no reason to leave but I think that the the big the big challenge for anybody, in, including Age of Electric, um, we went to Vancouver. We, we we very well could have gone to Toronto or, or Los Angeles or New York or whatever you do, you know. Right. But um, it really at some point you kind of have to kind of make that move. Uh, I mean, trust me. If if it, I always look back and go like, if things had gone well enough, like in a Nickelback way, where you were huge and you could still call Vancouver home, then I then I would still be there. But for me, it just sort of, you know, it, it turned into all these opportunities in the U.S. that led me here. But, um, I mean, if, if, if you could have a, a, a international career and still live in Winnipeg or Regina, Saskatchewan, hell yeah, we none of us would ever leave. But um, Not only large, that, but you'd be like king of the city. <laughs> yeah, probably, right? <laughs> and that's probably true of like, you know, Burton Cummings is, you know, when he's living in Winnipeg or something like that. It's like, I, that's got to be like... I can't imagine what that's like. It's got to be like, you know, you basically like get the keys to the city or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, so how much do I owe you for this um, Big Mac and fries? No, no, no. no it's yours. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Cummings. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like, I always think that because I go, Burton lives here in Winnipeg. That's, you know, it's kind of like, that'd be like Paul McCartney, like just deciding to go back to Liverpool. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I'm, anything you want, Mr. McCartney. Park wherever you want. You know, just <laughs> yeah. leave his car in the middle of the road and just yeah. gonna walk away. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, for years, I'd heard, I'd heard your 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 path. Like, I'd heard that you know yeah. Todd Kearns went to Vegas, and yeah. Todd Kearns is playing with the dudes in Faster Pussycat, and no <laughs> no no details. Just that I knew right. that you you were like killing it. Uh, down in Vegas and LA kind of area, and I, you know, me as a like a, a, a Canadian kid and just touring in a van, I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense that he would like get out of here, man, you know, and well, I, he's gonna kill it down there. Well, I think it was also a thing of like, you know, because I came from the prairies, you know, I, I sort of left very quickly because, you know, the the call started you know okay well let's let's go play on the road and sort of like even though i still had roots and would float in and out of saskatchewan it was sort of like you know i was immediately kind of traveling you know and it was in in i eventually put down roots in calgary briefly and eventually made my way to vancouver and so it was pretty normal to me to kind of like you know to pick up and go 
Um, and it's also, it's kind of healthy actually sometimes because you get so comfortable wherever you are, but I, but I'm not like you where it was, it was, uh, I'm not exactly sure where you grew up, but I assume you grew up in the Toronto area, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean like growing up in a place like that where it's kind of like, it's kind of all there. You know what I mean? So like for me, it was like, I always say like when you're in Saskatchewan, Toronto just seems like another planet. You know what I mean? So Los Angeles and all that, that sounds like. Krypton or Tatooine. It sounds right. like they're made up places. You know, you're never going to go there, you know, and, and then, and then Tokyo, pff, that's like, that's not even a thing. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just all insane. So, uh, but you know, it's like slowly as you kind of like, as I kind of started to, yeah, it's, it's basically a thing of like, you kind of had to put myself where the opportunities were just going to be a little more in, in a lot of ways. I probably never would have left Vancouver because I, I still love it there. And, and, uh, you know, I just had a lot of, you know, such great experiences there and, whatnot but um you know i think that that's sort of you know but i really love i mean like i said to you earlier i went to see donnie and marie last night in las vegas and i thought as i was sitting there watching this and i just looked in and i just thought and where else would i be doing this you know i was like, it's yeah. totally <laughs> I was like that's the one thing about vegas is it just kind of happens to be like it's wednesday night or thursday night or whatever it is and it's like what do you want to do hey donnie marie's down there let's call so-and-so <laughs> and the next thing you know, i'm sitting there watching donnie marie like this is so surreal you know and that's the cool thing about vegas is it's like I basically live in a small town and the strip is like 15 minutes that way. You know, it's like the most insane place on the planet is just over there right. and all the best restaurants and all the best shows and everything is in this town. But I kind of live a very quiet, um, life and Los Angeles is a few hours drive. So it's, it's kind of like the reason I'm here is, you know, I've really grown to, uh, really be attached to this particular, uh, corner of the world. Well, I mean, Todd, this has been great uh, chatting you, chatting up about Tuke and catching up with you and talking about Canadian rock. It's something yes. I don't get to do very much. Well, you know, it, it, like I say, it's like, you know, it's a, one of those things that I'm really proud, you know, that, you know, guys like you and I can say we grew up with the very, I would assume growing up in Sweden, you, you know, as well as I do, like that scene over there. Or you know wherever they have bands in 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 all of you know in all these different places that they they grew up with that they are really particular to and that, yeah. that really influenced them and that's kind of like we don't know anything about those bands in the same way that a let, the rest of the world may not know a lot about some of the music you and I grew up on because yeah. it's so specific to where we grew up so um, you know we and we really are I mean it, it's not some corny like tagline it, we really are like you know, we really love this music and that's why we, why we initially did it was because, you know, it was like, wouldn't it be cool if somebody in Brazil said, I love this song by Orphan. You know, you're, going, right. you're like, wow, because nobody, my friends that are from Canada don't know what Orphan is, you know? So it's like, so it's a very, um, you know, that's, that's the most rewarding part of it. I think the, 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 the takeaway from your, the Tuke band for me is <clears throat> it kind of brands it as, as a thing. Like Canadian rock at a, this certain era of Canadian rock is a is a club. We all there's a certain group of people, it is, yeah, yeah, who know and love it, and it's great to be part of this kind of club that you guys have kind of started or branded with. Duke. Yeah, well, I mean, we certainly didn't start it. We just kind of like drew attention to it, I suppose. <laughs> well, yeah, like no. you kind of I don't know codified it or branded it in a way where it's like this is a thing, and yeah. uh, I love it. I mean, who knows what will, I mean, there very likely will probably come a day where suddenly like there's a Tuke record that's like maybe a couple covers and a bunch of our songs. And then next thing you know, it's, it's a, you know, doing its own thing. I don't know. I really, it's really hard to 
to talk about like tomorrow, let alone next year or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just because yeah. of the nature of, of life. But, um, you know, there may come a day where it was kind of like, you know, took started as this and then now it's this. So, so as it stands right now, it's like, you know, the, we, we, we still, we just recently played like with 5440 and sticks and it was kind of like, and, and we slam dunk because you go out there with this really stacked deck. You know, it's like the, your set list is like <laughs> all these songs that people love, period. You know, it's like the best song. Raise a Little Hell by Trooper, you can't go wrong. You know, it's like all these songs that just kind of, that they love every single song. It's just, you know, was it's, this in here. Edmonton? That was in Regina and Calgary. Because did Gowan play A Criminal Mind? Oh, yeah. 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 Every time in Canada, he plays, <clears throat> he plays Criminal Mind. So that's another Canadian that... You know, right away we we get into that with him, like you know, talking about you know all the songs. He, you know, they heard us playing, like you know, had, <laughs> had to get caught up on all the Canadian stuff. You know, yeah, we just played with Sticks uh, this past summer. So talking to, we were able to talk to Larry, and he he came around, and it's great. He's I'm, such a good dude. Yeah, it's and again with Tuke and and watching Larry Gowan in Sticks, it's, it kind of fills you up with pride a little bit, you know. Like I'm like, wow, that's, that's you guys don't know who that guy is, man. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, it's 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 one of the classic um, Canadianisms about being down here is it it drives all my American friends crazy. Like, yeah, I know, I know Jim Carrey's Canadian. Shut the because <laughs> <up. laughs> no matter what you're doing, you can't help but sit there and be going like, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's a great movie. It's got Ryan Gosling, Canadian, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Canadian. <laughs> I'm just like, you just drop it like it's just, you can't help it. It's like you're constantly, because, dude, I know they're Canadian. Can we just move on? <laughs> yeah. I just like, wow, you know, like, you know, he's Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. No, it was, it was great meeting Gowan in Sweden. So once again, it's two Canadians so, meeting somewhere else. Rock? It was Sweden Rock, and he was sitting in, the, in their shuttle van, and it was raining and, you know, no one was in a good mood. Everyone was just like, I can't believe it's raining outside. And I went up to him and I name dropped a couple of mutual friends of ours. And he just perked right. up and it was great. And then, of course, the rain stopped and everyone was happy again. And and they killed it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, they're a great band. I mean, you kind of forget. You know, not really forget. I don't think that's the right word. But you just go, of course, yeah, it sticks. And then you can see them play and you're like, oh, wow, these guys are no joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it is it is cool to see Larry Gowan fronting sticks. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean he's he's more than qualified. You yeah. know, beyond qualified. Yeah. Well, Todd, thanks a lot for doing this, man. Thank you, brother. Um, Thank you so much. Always a blast. Always great talking to you. And uh, I know it's like early afternoon for you, so I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of the day. Yes, you too. Take care. Yeah. All right, man. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.